As you're listening to the following music selections, adjust the volume, bass, and treble controls to suit your tastes. Today's episode of Android Dungeon. JJB, JAR in the studio. A couple of new games. A couple of events. It's all fun though. Stay tuned. Welcome to CFRU 93.3 FM, broadcasting out of the University of Guelph, Guelph, Ontario, Canada. Um, while we're here, at least. I don't know. I think I saw this big for sale sign outside of the station when I came in. <laughs> <laughs> there was, if anyone wants to buy some mics that occasionally work. In all seriousness, have you heard anything? About the station being canceled? What is the state of CFRU? We want to know. Um, I, I think the station's been in better shape. I think the people demand to know. <laughs> the people? The person? Yeah. The many <laughs> listeners of Android's Dungeon want to know where we're going. The clamoring fans yeah. want to know our future. Where are they going to hear about the latest games? Are we on, we're on twice a week now? I wouldn't, I don't know, because I, I was telling Joel that occasionally when I uh, am driving to the office on Monday mornings, um, I'll turn on the radio. And uh, I always check CFRU first. <laughs> of <laughs> and, course. And if I don't hear my voice, I turn it off. And then, uh, but in, I've been hearing uh, our voices. Lovely to hear the scintillating sounds of Joel and Jack in the morning. I mean, we sound great, obviously. Probably the best thing you could wake up to. <laughs> <laughs> Cup of coffee, like, maybe a tasty roll. Belt of bourbon, yeah. cigarette, <laughs> and Jack and Joel. Jack and Joel. <laughs> it's got a nice ring, you gotta admit. <laughs> JJ. J and J's, which was. J and J's. Uh, yeah. Have you been there lately? Yeah, I was there uh, last week, two weeks ago. Two weeks ago. Uh, J and J's, for those who don't know, is a game store based out of, uh, uh, I guess Waterloo technically, but yep. it might as well be Kitchener Waterloo because it's like I, I think it's right on the line, Weber, Weber Street, that just kind of cuts through. So it's a great place. I it, it lo- felt different last time I was there. I think they've maybe put in more lights. So, the inside? Yeah, yeah. Huh. But maybe it was just like, something just felt different. And it's always a nice place, and the service <laughs> maybe is Maybe they just changed the lights. It's possible, because it always felt a little dank at times, too, where it's kind of yeah. like a dungeon. And it's got this really cheesy motif on the outside that makes it look like a castle. That yeah. it kind of like, not a castle in the sense of like, oh, wow, the wizarding world of Harry Potter. This is something <laughs> else. More like, oh, my... My, <laughs> I, I built a little castle for my ten-year-old niece in the backyard. It's and like you know how Bron is always complaining that he can't, he doesn't have his castle yet. <laughs> they just build him like this little lump. <laughs> like here you go, here's your damn castle. See, look at that. It's already we're, we're three minutes in the show. And we've got a Game of Thrones reference coming up. Maybe we can do it. We'll do a little breakdown of Game of Thrones based on our impressions. So, so hot right now. Um, but anyway, J and J is fantastic. You should check it out. And um, it kind of reminds me of something I want to talk about because I mentioned my friend was in town and, and he had brought Lords of Hellas with him, and we didn't yep. get a chance to play it. Um, he's got. He lives in Sault Ste. Marie. Justin, friend of the show, uh, friend of the show in the sense of he's friends of me, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> friends of a member of the friends show. of member of a show. And so he lives in Sault Ste. Marie, which is a, I guess it's the biggest smallest town up. Uh, north. It's our largest fan base. Yeah, so we've got a lot of fan in (laughs) Sault Ste. Marie. And they have a couple of stores in Sault Ste. Marie that sell board games, and but they're more hobby shops in general, so you're not going to find a store dedicated to They just happen to, to have the games. We see that a lot, yeah. Exactly. So, you know what? The fact that they have them is fine. I remember when we visited him on the shelf, they had a couple of things, but they even had Feast of Roden up there, which is usually, if if anyone's selling that type of game, like, okay, this is a little, this yeah. is, it's not just Ticket the Ride and Catan and Betrayal, that, the usual fare that you find. But Yeah, you got to think about it. If you're the, the shop owner... You're not going to drop $100 or $80 or whatever it is they're paying. Yeah, what's the distribution On a cost? game if they're not going to get that markup. Yeah. And that's where you get into it, too. It's like, I, I, I am genuinely intrigued how someone who could think of possibly selling, like, retail up north. Because yeah. the, the internet exists. Typically, shipping is free. 
almost anywhere in Canada. There are some ex- there are some exceptions. So if you are going to be selling something, you either have to be like right on the edge or maybe a little bit higher and have enough people that are willing to pay for it or um, relying on dummies who don't have yeah. internet connections to see that you're charging Or I guess 30%. you could have some um, people that are trying to support you, right? That's what Lo- I mean. Local uh, regulars? Regulars. But it's like, what you, at what point are you squeezing a regular though? So it's like... Yeah. I come in and I like your store and I like you as a person and I want to buy something from you, but you've got this game here that it's already expensive to begin with and you're you're squeezing an extra 30% on top of the MSRP to justify yeah. it. So it's, at what point do you just kind of say, I'm sorry, man, I can't. Well, we stopped into Up North Games in uh, Huntsville mm-hmm. and they've got a big magic community. So that's something that'll drive, right? If it's, if it's a competitive game that you have to meet people to play, that's going to drive your show. Yeah, and that's why, unfortunately... Um, depending on where you fall on this, like Magic the Gathering is your bread and butter yeah. when you're in one of these stores because comic book shops, board game stores, like when you go to, let's say, J&J's, for example, you go there, there's an entire one half of the of a wall, like an entire wall of the store is dedicated to playing uh, training cards where it's mm. like all the glass cases are <laughs> magic cards, magic cards, magic cards. And I think, I don't know if Harry goes there, but... I was going to say, I don't know if Harry would agree with it. He's got... That's the best thing for him. Well, yeah, that's it. So if you're into magic, great. And I used to be into magic, but and that was the only reason I'd go to comic book stores for a long time because I don't care about comics. But this was something that, like, this is what keeps these places going. It gets people inside. They're buying things. And it's this, I don't know. It, it, it's... Have we talked about how it, it scares me, the idea of having to, like, know that much about magic to, like, keep a business running? <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. So you want to open up and you're like, ah, I just want to sell board games. I love board games. Yeah. And, you know, I want to share them with the masses. Yeah. Nope. You've got to, yeah. And then you've got to have that binder with all the rares and, you so know, you have sell to stay, them at the right price. So you have it's to stay on top online, of the, though. yeah, exactly. It's it's all online. And you have to stay on top of the, the economy and you're doing trade-ins and for store credits or just people wanting cash and <laughs> the swap it and you got to run these events. Like there's a reason why people like, I think we were talking about this a little bit yesterday with, um, I'm not sure it was with you, but the, that people get paid a lot of money to run these D and D events, like to the DM oh, yeah. or GM these games. Like it's. It's a job. If it each is. person is paying ten bucks a session, then you're making seventy dollars. Session might run for three hours, so you are making like a kind of an average, like twenty-five an hour or something. But still, it, you're playing a game. You're playing a game, and it should be something that you're intrigued by. It's not like uh, I don't know, lifting boxes and <laughs> being like, "Oh boy, I'm doing this on my weekend." It's, yeah. I don't know. It, well, I'd better get get it DMing. And then yeah, I can start start charging. Well, that's the that's the dream, isn't it? By the way, the bills in the mail. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, <laughs> past due, past due, past due. Um, but anyway, well, the reason I brought up the um, the Suze Marie stuff uh, initially, comparing to J and J's, was that my friend was here and he was talking about how he went into the store, and he was I'm going to put this politely, very disappointed that when he was there looking at the shelf of games, the person at the counter didn't come over and ask him if he needed any assistance or want some help picking i feel the opposite i was i was on both sides of this one (laughs) the the, this customer service part of me thought this was a failure because if you are if you have no like what's the line from glenn gary glenn ross like nobody walks on the lot if they don't want to buy yeah and this was a potential sale that the guy just left on the table because maybe he didn't feel comfortable approaching a customer and saying, oh, are you looking, can I help you find anything? Or just just basic stuff, which is the opposite of J&J's. You go there, and there's one fellow in particular, I think he's usually wearing a baseball hat, and he has kind of a goatee. But he's he's all around yeah, the... Yeah, he's not on the shelf, he, or not at, behind the counter. No, yeah, exactly. He's mm-hmm. on the front lines, and he's 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 schmoozing and talking to people, and like, what are you looking for? Do you like games? You, and what do you like? And so this guy, I guarantee if you ask him, like, oh, I don't know much about games. I like Catan, though. He would know instantly <laughs> which thing's yeah. the bounce. Too. But that's the thing, like, I would I would volunteer to do that, just as a public service. Just be like, <laughs> please put that down. <laughs> you know what I'm talking I about. I know exactly what you... Well, I told you, when we were there, uh, it, it depressed me because they were having to... They, they had cleared their stock on Betrayal House on the hill. I don't haunt a tale. I, I can never remember, just Betrayal. And yeah. uh, they, so they're having to, like, we need more Betrayal. Guys, we're running out of Betrayal. Get some more Betrayal. And you're just... You, your heart's just breaking because <laughs> you're seeing this bad game that... That people genuinely enjoy, and that's fine. If you like it, you like it. Yeah. But I think it's a bad game in that you you, you realize either, either either consciously or unconsciously that this is a bad game, and then you forever associate <laughs> board games with this, this turd. So. 
Yeah. You just want to like s- slap it out. <laughs> Whatever. It's, it's, that's really elitist. Just want to be board game missionaries. Board game, yeah. They're spreading the good word. Monothe is just holding Megacy of the... <laughs> the good word of UA. It's <laughs> <laughs> not bad. Anyway, uh, Joel, what have you been playing recently? Oh, a little bit of this and that. I actually didn't get many games in since the last time we spoke. You've but been on the road. I've been working on the road again. Well, to be fair, you have been playing some games. Maybe not board games necessarily, but I do recall you maybe loading up the old MU. Oh, yeah. I did manage to, to do a quick run of uh, Mario World, which I... Definitely rusty, man. It was like lots lower than I usually do, but the, the true test... For anybody that's played Super Mario World, which st- stands up to time. It's a great game. Still still one of the best games of all time, I'd say. Mm-hmm. Um, is that Secret Road. The Star War- World? Yeah, so you get through Star, s- the Star Road, and then right in the middle, there's a Secret Road. You go up through the middle, and then it's all black. Have you seen that? Um, I, I actually don't even remember this one. Yeah, so it's... It's really hard. It's like beating Bowser is a joke compared to this section. And then you get into this. So you go through Star Road. You get through. You have to have every single. You know how those those exclamation marks that you can find in secret areas. You have to have all of those unlocked. And then you can manage to make your way into this secret section. And then each of them is like. You ever play um, like Mario Builder? Yeah. Well, I'm aware of it. I, have, I don't have the capability, but I know what you're doing. It. Sorry. So back in Super Nintendo days, obviously there wasn't that option, but it seemed almost like the developers had thrown in their own little custom <laughs> challenges. Well, it, it was them playing around like, in the ROM. Yeah. It's almost like cut maps that somebody said, "No, these are too difficult. Like we'll put them in the secret world." And then we can exactly. Let the people yeah. Because some of them are just one vertical line up and then one vertical line down. So like the entrance and the exit are right next to each other, but you got to go through everything to get to it. Yeah. It's insane, but yeah, it's a lot of fun. Just so many little added things to Super Mario World, right? Things that just there's no reason for it to be there, but you know they just put a lot of love into it it's a gorgeous game it looks pretty it plays well it's uh if, if anyone had super nintendo growing up you had a copy of mario super mario world i, I don't know yeah. if it was sold with it it it's came with an snes for a while i yeah. know that you have the option to fly through a level <laughs> yeah you know what i for the life of me i could never figure out the rhythm to that it was just like, it was like this <laughs> to wait till you're vertically down and then you'll get a a big draft of air. Like I, I, I'll just go on the ground. I'm good. <laughs> Figure this out later. Yeah, and the same thing for like um, Mario 64 with the feather cap or the um, flying cap that it was like you were always descending, but you could like do the same thing where you're at the very bottom of you, but you're never quite as high as you were before. Oh, yeah, so you and keep like a decent height. Yeah. It's not, there were many flying sections in Mario 64 now I think about it. Anyway, so you got to play Mario World. Yeah. So... Uh, I don't know, disclaimer that I stole something, but um, <laughs> I downloaded the emulator in the ROM. <laughs> well, hold on. I, I didn't you, go out and buy a console. Did you have a Super Nintendo growing up? Oh, yeah. Did you own a copy of Super Mario World? Yep. There you go. You didn't infringe any copyright. There we it go. It was just a backup of your... <laughs> just a backup. Yeah. But it comes with, like I said, 706 Backups of all games. your 700 games. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and like I said, <laughs> I think I said to you and Curtis... About 17 of those are decent. Yeah. Uh, there's probably more good games out there for Super Nintendo, but the titles that I knew anyway. Um, one of my favorite games still for Super Super Nintendo, uh, aside from Mario World, is Rock and Roll Racing. Did you ever get a chance to play that? And you were noticing that it was designed by the uh, early Blizzard company, yeah. right? Interplay? Silicon and uh, Synapse was early Blizzard, and then Interplay was the publisher. Yeah. And, man, is it good. It's just very simple kind of, uh, you think of it like remote control cars almost. RC, yeah. Going around in a in a track with some jumps, but you're armed with weapons. It's basically like intro to Mario World or Crash Team Racing a little bit more. Hmm. Did you ever play Crash Bandicoots? I know the games. I never really played them, <laughs> though. I didn't have a PlayStation, so. Yeah, I don't I wonder what came first, whether Super Mario Kart or. Oh, it had to have been Mario Kart. Because it set out, like, all these games came out at, like, Mario Kart was out first, for sure, on the SNES. And if you want to, then the six, Mario Kart 64, obviously, 
sequel to that. Yeah, but there sure. were other racing games before then too. Like I, I'm not an expert, so I'm not going to jump down that hole. That was probably <laughs> well, actually, in 1983 there was. Yeah. Anyway, I was playing a bunch of games from '93, '95 when I was having a great time. It's just, it's nice to see that those games even. 10 years later, 15 years later, play them again. They're still a ton of fun. They're still just as good as you remember them were. Because a lot of games, you pick them back up and you're like, whew, this was not good. <laughs> no. Well, that was it too, because my coworker had a, an NES growing up and he had uh, a couple of games for it. And the outside of the normal stuff, he had a copy of, I think it was called um, Secret Castle or something. And then he also had Adam's Family, Fester's Adventure, Fester's Quest. Oh, yeah. And both these games are legendarily terrible. <laughs> like, and, we, and I think the angry video game nerd did videos on both of them. And when you're watching these videos... <laughs> so much fun. You're, yeah, exactly. And you're watching them and you're going, oh, my God, the things we put up with. Because <laughs> it was desperation. It was, I, I'm pure desperation uh, gamer in the sense of... Yeah. Like, well, I, you drop 50 bucks on the game. <laughs> well, 50 bucks on the game like for that. Because I didn't really have consoles growing up for a little bit until we got a snack. And then it was like, even then I just had Donkey Kong and maybe Super Mario World. So I played yeah. the hell out of those. But on the computer, though, you'd be like, that's where my bread and butter was. And especially in the early, early days, because we just had this old Commodore with DOS on it. So you'd be desperate for whatever you had. And yeah. like copy of a disc one of Space Quest one. And for the longest time, I was too young to understand what I was doing. And then finally, I got that perfect. But then I did the disc two. So that, that's that. I beat <laughs> disc one. And there are other things like... Um, this game called FBI Fred, which you can look up a video of it on YouTube. I'm astounded anyone else played this game. For sure, I thought it was like a hallucination or something. It's so bad. And it's, but you're like, it's all I got. <laughs> it's going gonna, it's gonna to work out. FBI Fred. I wonder Terrible. if your dad just put that on the computer for you just to... I had no idea where he got it from. Get you into the business. Maybe. But it was just all it was was uh, floppy disks. And then you had your um, five and a half... Or, yeah, five and a half were the giant ones. So... Hugo's Heads of Horrors and the rest of these things. Like, these games were just floating around. Then as soon as you upgrade to the Pentium with the CD-ROM drive, you enter the world of, like, those Ooh, discs that fancy had... fancy CD, man. Oh, yeah, yeah. So n then you start finding the discs at 7,000 games on one disc. And you're like, oh, my God. And it's like, oh, you're just getting it for... They're all off. <laughs> well, it's like 95% mm, are terrible. and But you're getting in this weird sort of... Almost this, like, community of these games that were shared around bulletin boards back in the day. Because yeah. before even... I knew anything about the internet. This is where, so people would just illegally like grab all this stuff and just sell it on these discs. And then you, people are reselling copies of like shareware episodes of Doom and, uh, and Duke yeah, Nukem. Yeah. And those were the real, those were the sellers to get people into these. But <laughs> Featuring Doom. Yeah, featuring Doom. It's like, I just want it for Doom. But the rest of the stuff, and then you come across these bizarre, weird games that are just like products of fevered dreams. And Never got finished or something. Well, might as well not be finished. It, just very strange experiences, but. That's that those nobody understands that now. It's when you were growing up now. Kids don't have to put up with this. Kids put up with shovelware. Yeah. Like of in game transactions. In game transactions. Um, while we're on the subject, Mortal Kombat 11 just came out, yeah. and I don't like those games really. It's fighting games are just beyond me, and it's a weird sub community. But never any good at it. Yeah, I'm not good at it, and I just don't care to get better at it. It's not something where it's like, oh, I want to learn. And but I like the aesthetic of it. The ultra violence is lovely. But when you get into <laughs> the actual game, though, apparently it's just rife apparently this one is rife with microtransactions somebody's breaking it down because um if you want to do everything in the base game because hmm. uh, i guess they, they introduce these things called the crypts or tower of pain or something where you go through and you have to beat these challenges but they're so difficult and so geared towards unfairness that they're making you want to buy consumables or buy things consumable to, yeah, yeah to i think i don't know if they're one-time uses or what the story is perfectly but anyway the number as i heard was you either have to spend forty three hundred dollars us <laughs> to buy everything or you'd have to sink about thirty three hundred hours of your time to grind out the necessary components to actually complete this sort of stuff and when i heard that i just thought that this is the absolute state of triple a gaming i and love it when they put together all of the cost, like if you were wanted the whole game, they put together all of the cost, and they say this is the final yeah. value. Was it like Truck Simulator on Steam, Euro the most truck expensive simulator. game? That or a train, <laughs> something like that. Like because we had all the DLC, it's like fifteen thousand dollars. What? <laughs> yeah. How's this possible? Some people love. Somebody that, has it. Someone, I'm sure. Yeah. I'm sure. There was a video floating around recently of some guy that uh, I think it was somebody called it something cheeky like. Um, 
man's conditioning breaks, and he was at he was I think he was looking over Steam Library and looking at all the hours he sunk into these games and all the money he spent on the games. And there's just this moment where there's a revelation that I've like I've wasted my life. <laughs> where is all it gone? Where is it all gone? I'm glad you mentioned like cumulative cost though, because I wanted to mention something about a board game. So there's this Kickstarter out for Evolution Oceans, which mm-hmm. is getting bizarrely a lot of attention, which. Um, Evolution is kind of... Um, yeah, do a breakdown of the series of it. I did kind of mention, uh, I think I have Evolution Origins. Uh, we picked up a copy, which is uh, one of the standalones. It's a, uh, it's kind of like edutate, edutainment, I'd say. It, it's definitely like gearing itself or marketing itself as a legitimate board game, but it's also like, uh, it's got some like Earth Awards, this kind of thing, yeah. where it's <clears throat> trying to teach kids about... or people i guess about uh evolution and the nature of life i mm-hmm. guess but uh i just had some numbers out here uh there's evolution evolution climate a uh, bunch of little like mini games that you wouldn't care about evolution flight and evolution promo pack each have you know upwards of four thousand owners on board game geek and then evolution owners or sorry oceans is the one that's coming out is actually heavily back but somebody posted this morning and he it was a really strange post because he said i've canceled my backing of evolution o- oceans i just can't justify the cost and he put the cost in and he's it was 243 dollars or something what was like he that. what was he buying because just for the record the the base game if you're going to kickstart is not going to cost you about 250 bucks yeah it was baffling everybody in the comments too like, what do you mean it's 70 dollars for like the highest level like yeah. what, are, what are you talking about like is, is it shipping where are you and yeah, they were yeah. like putting in the shipping price it was like this mystery they were trying to solve and he finally answered back oh well i've already supported the kickstarter for evolution and for for flight and for and it's like okay so you've already paid that money and now you don't want to pay in an additional 70 i can understand that but the way, the way <laughs> your numbers framed, don't make yeah. any sense that's weird. It'd be like me, like, oh, I've had it up to here. I've spent $2,000 on Kickstart, or on this game. It's like, wait, wait, hold on. No, no, that's all the other Kickstarters you did. So, know. yes, you have, but you're not getting the rest of that money back. Yeah, that's really peculiar. I don't know. It's Joel linked this to uh, to me, and I was looking at it. It's like, it looks interesting, but I, I think more and more I'm starting to get like a little more selective with some of these Kickstarters where it's like, if I'm not... If this isn't a reprint of something that's legendary and like quite maybe not coming to retail or might be disappearing forever, or something that by a really good designer that I'm like, oh, like, oh I got to do it. I got this. Sounds incredible. I, I'm 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 getting a little shy now because yeah, there have been Jack. Good ones. You've had great great track record lately. No burns. Uh, some no quick burns. some quick uh, titles you might have heard of uh, that Jack's backed on Kickstarter: Gloomhaven, Container. What else? Um, there are a couple. I'm, I can't. <laughs> yeah. Let's not worry Those about Those are the big that. ones. <laughs> anyway, uh, massive successes post Kickstarter, basically, is my point. Um, I've, I've been burned. That's the main thing. He's been burned. <laughs> I've got my first back, yeah. which is the Valley of the Kings collector's which edition. Which I'm really excited for, because uh, honestly, yeah. Joel, if I hadn't got, basically, the problem Jack is already I have, has most of it. I yeah. have all the content, more or less. And I'm sure 10% of what they're adding, the new cards are going to be nice big, and it's going to be shiny, it's going to have a nice box to it. But It's going to be some heroes. Yeah. It's going to be almost like DC. Like, with the heroes, it's like, okay, well, in DC, you start with a hero. And it's up to you. If you feel like... Uh, you don't have to do that. Yeah. I'm looking forward to seeing what it uh, plays like. I'm really excited for that. Um, but the Kickstart stuff is kind of like, it, it's almost expected at this point. It, it's you, yeah. there's always going to be two markets for games. And this is something I think people, if you're not into the hobby very deeply, you have to understand that there's, you, you have their traditional retail market for this, which is where things eventually get to typically. And then you have this weird shadow world where it's kicks things are kickstarted and yeah. the kicks i think we've talked about this a little bit but you just be careful on kickstarter because there there more and more people are biting off more they can chew and th- frankly i think the games just aren't like they're if at, at best they're good and at worst they're just trash meant to sell you some like minis or maybe a, a license something like evil dead for example which is i think we we're talking a while ago about it being a scam yeah I mean, Valley of the Kings, AG, they don't need to do a Kickstarter, but at the same time, it's like, okay, they're going to come through. Now, Stonemaier said they're not doing Kickstarters anymore, 
Did they? I don't know. I was just curious. Do you know? Did they kickstart Wingspan? No, it wasn't. And they didn't kickstart mm-hmm. Wingspan. They didn't kickstart Charterstone. But they had done um, for Scythe, famously. And I don't know if Viticulture was a kickstart. I think it was because some of the faces on those mamas and papas look a little too. Uh, um, oh yeah, yeah. Viddy was a hundred percent because I know that the Kickstarters are those people. Oh, okay, there you go. So. The uh, so the backers are actually in the game, which was a really cool thing to do. Absolutely, that's a neat tier, and like that. As a, if you're ever going to do a Kickstarter, that's a great little example of something you can add because people pay a lot of money extra to have their face in a their really face awesome in, game. In a pro, yeah, in a game that every like is <laughs> kind of like almost like a, for us a go to. Um, amid the lightweight Euro recommendation yeah. for someone. Oh, by the way, Sam brought uh, Viddy and Tuscany to my family. They ate it up. Tuscany, we thought, oh, it's going to be a little too heavy for them. No. no. Which means, <laughs> Jack, that they're ready. <laughs> if they can handle what? Tuscany, <laughs> we can really drop the games on them, you know, I'm the real games. <laughs> I'm scared what you're thinking about dropping We're them. moving on from, uh, you know, uh, what was that, uh, Rotel Dorado or... Uh, quest, yeah, quest, quest for El Dorado. <laughs> Very light little deck builder game. Yeah. Um, Time to bring out the feast. Bring it, yeah. <laughs> See, but is feast more complicated than than viticulture? It's all—they're almost doing two different things, and it's it's, two, it's more choices. That's for sure. It's more choices. Although, who was saying? Harry was talking about the um, how the, the the action selection board on feast was overwhelming, but. It really isn't in the sense of like there. There's really less things to do, but they just get better and better as you go up. Yeah. As it takes more and True. more Vikings to do your thing. So obviously there's a curve to knowing which ones you should be doing to maximize your roles. And some guy on uh, the the geek broke down all the action space, at least in the base game, and gave them star ratings to say mm. like this one's cla- like always do this one every turn if you can, and always do this one. This one's so so. Do it only in these cases. So some are better than others, but it's all about your strategy. But that's feast. That's feast. I'm not that's going feast, into it, baby. Um, so, bro, should we do music or do you want to just, uh, keep going right now? Why don't we sure. do a quick breakdown? Let's Cause we music. had some people, okay. you want to do music? No, no, no. yeah, okay. go on. <laughs> Cause we had some people over last night or yesterday, last night, uh, post tree planting. Cause we went out and, uh, froze our ourselves part. yeah, and, uh, planting a bunch of trees in Guelph Lake. And then people came over afterwards and, um, we played a bunch of party games because we were sitting at like eight, nine people the entire time. So it's like, this is prime territory for bigger like bigger crowd types of games and uh, we did a couple of classics uh, but we also got to try out two new games that I haven't been able to get out before Um, so the classics we did were we started with Vegas Vegas baby everyone has a good time with that really fun simple game and uh, Jake had never played before so it was neat to see (laughs) someone who's never played Vegas before he was really trying to match it out (laughs) yeah it's like you're overthinking this (laughs) like you might be able to like break down statistically what's more likely but uh, you know what statistic I'd like to see is how many times we've mentioned Vegas in our in all of our 250 whatever episodes I wonder if you could run an algorithm that like breaks (laughs) down the um just like voice to text and then just search anyway so we did vegas and then we did uh did we do panic after that panic on wall street i think that was the next one yeah so then we did panic on wall street and i actually i screwed up it was too short we should have had two more rounds to it but i think everyone got the gist of it and that was fine um i think you felt really the pinch as an investor this time well i felt bad that i was making all the right choices and still only making 15000 every round. And that was really just the way the market was. Yeah. Everything went down except for blue. Yeah. Uh, and then green was green up like crazy. Green went yeah. up as well. So I made a bunch of money on green and blue. And then I pay everything out. And I'm like, I'm pretty much where I started. Yeah. It was really, it was, people really rely on the red to make a quick buck. And <laughs> I don't know if anyone, because the past few times we've played it, people got burned hard on red. So now you're just, if you have any red as a, as a broker, if you're selling reds, it's almost like, I'll take, I'll take it for 10. I'll take it for five. <laughs> just like, I just don't want to lose money on this because the gains are wild. But when the losses yeah. I think are. And I think it dipped into one red, which was just like, okay, I only paid five bucks for it. Yeah. But then I got to pay the bank 20 bucks for it. It's like, well, 25 bucks. Oh, I forgot about that. So sitting in the negatives too. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, so that was fine. Um, Then we got to try something I hadn't been able to get out before. And that was a fake artist goes to New York, which is published by a Japanese company called Oink Games. And it comes with this adorable little pink box. And if uh, the way I was describing it is if anyone has ever played the Jackbox games, um, there's there's a game called Fake in it. And basically what happens is, and this is the exact same premise of fake artists, is that um, everyone is going to be working together to draw 
um, draw some a subject picked by the person running the game. The problem is that one person there doesn't know what everyone else is supposed to be drawing, and they're trying to get away with faking it or being the fake artist. So what happens is you go around, and everyone puts draws one line and starts adding to this picture. And you have to be careful not to put too, make it too obvious, or else the person who's faking is going to clue in. And everyone's kind of watching who's drawing what and kind of go, oh, what, what was the point of that drawing here, that line? And maybe they're just not on the same wavelength as you. But at the end, you, everyone does draws two lines uh, in two separate rounds. And then at the end, three, two, one, everyone points, whoever thinks the fake artist is. So it's a very tiny little game. The components are fine. They have nice little dry erase uh, chits for each player. Yeah. Everyone gets a different colored marker. Come with a pad of paper, but honestly, if you if you wanted to, you could just take literally just a thing of note paper and some pencils and some pencils, and maybe you could. Um, it would take a little bit of work to maybe hand out the rules, like who's doing what. But big deal, it's simple. You could proxy this in two seconds if you wanted yeah. to. I enjoyed it. I thought it was cute, very light little game. Another just a party game. Yeah, cool idea. Some things, some questions I had. What are the rules for uh, a line? Can yeah, you do good one point. straight line. Well, the, the, you were looking at it, weren't you? Were was you it a stroke? No, I don't think anyone actually looked it up. I think we just have kind of house-ruled it. Well, because it was like people were starting to draw triangles and squares. Yeah, whole and it's like, shapes. Well, yeah. technically, I can just keep my pen down the whole time. It's one continu- Stop that. You're being a d- yeah. I could draw the whole thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So then we, we did that. And then um, what did we move on to after that? I'm trying to remember now. It uh, was that cryptozoic. Uh, oh, well, did we do that? Right intrigue now? game. So yeah, then we got to try something that I've had sitting on the shelf for a long time, which was Internal Affairs, yeah. and it's basically if anyone's ever played Good Cop, Bad Cop, it's like that except you don't have to. This one makes you worry about numbers, and Good Cop, Bad Cop doesn't. Um, you don't want your numbers guessed. Yeah. So the whole premise is you've got, um, and this was another confusing part. So you have, you have triad moles and police moles, and I was confused because I thought the triad moles was the cop infiltrating the triads because <laughs> he's the mole in the triads, and then vice yeah. versa for the police. But apparently that was wrong. A lot of people were confused. But were you though, right? Because <laughs> nobody can really say. No, I, I don't know. <laughs> it, it doesn't say in the rules. So if if you. It's up to your own interpretation, and it doesn't matter. It also, it does not matter. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, that's a premise. It's, it's a, it takes place in Hong Kong, I think. And uh, like Joel was saying, it's an intrigue game where you're trying to suss out who is on whose side. And um, you, so you have three identity cards in front of you, just like good cop, bad cop. And the majority of the identity you've got in front of you is what team you're on. So whatever team you're on, you're trying not to reveal your other teammates, and you're trying to suss out the other teammates. As soon as you've revealed. Uh, or figured out who two other opponent teams are, are that means you, your side is one. And you do that through this kind of like slightly confusing, but it makes sense when you play a round or two system where you've got these numbered cards in front of you, and on your turn you hand one of your number cards to someone else, and they have to slide that card into wherever it would fit uh, numerically. So if you give them a timeline six, style, timeline style is that one of the rules in timeline? Timeline, you got to do what's before, what's before, what's after. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, you hand them the card, and they have to put it in the right space. And then as your second action, you're allowed to guess for anyone, but you can say to Joel, is one of your numbers five? And because he put the six over on here, you might think, oh, there's got to be something lower than six. And Joel says, yes, it's five. You so got me. And then he has to reveal one of his identities, which doesn't help you much at the beginning because <laughs> he could be doing other stuff there. So anyway, woo, listen to that music. So anyway, I was... It did knock me down. I, I was I was glad we got to play it. I think maybe it was testing people's patience as well because it was kind of one of these games. You 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 get that vibe when you put something out and you can just see the eyeballs starting to like roll back mm. in people's heads. It's like it's not, it's not that complicated, guys. I swear. But uh, anyway, what do you think? <laughs> one of these six cards I'm receiving. Uh, I loved it. Yeah, I, j- I still don't understand how it's an intrigue game because even when you get to the point where two of the three of the guys' cards are revealed, you still don't know what he is. Uh, there's no actual information unless is there a way you could have been dealt only police or only triads yeah absolutely okay so there so there it kind of leans towards something i suppose yeah so like you're saying it's when you because you mentioned to me before it's like it's strategic and what you reveal because are you trying to so let's say i'm on the police side do i want to reveal a police mole on there to make people kind of like signal to other police officers not to come after me or do i flip over a triad to try and trick other people to come after it's i don't know there's like some yeah, You're supposed and to be even when you do flip, somebody sees it, 
if they believe that you are that based off of having one of those cards, uh, is that really a good choice? No. <laughs> no. It's not. Uh, so really it's almost one of these, uh, I don't know, cash and guns or... Uh, it's not a serious game. <laughs> not, not even close. What was the one you were saying? Shadowhunters? Shadowhunters. It was closer to Shadowhunters. Because it's also really random because just when you think like... So imagine Resistance if you could also play an item that causes everyone to change what team they're on. It's like, <laughs> yeah. oh, wow, I'm sure glad I spent all that time thinking about these <laughs> things. So There was a variant in Coup, uh, the the expansion in Coup, where everybody was on two teams mm-hmm. face up, and you could pay two bucks to make someone else change their team. Really? <laughs> yeah. Was that in, uh, like, uh, Reformation or something? Or? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, so we did that, and uh, I think that finished off. Uh, or did we get another game in later? Sonar. Oh, that's right. That's right. So, yeah, and then we took a, a bit really of a, good game, and we got in some sonar. And Cal and I were talking about it afterward. How it felt, it felt like an actual board game as opposed to maybe uh, the more chaotic sort of party game thing. But it was that was tons of fun. Yeah, it was like every everybody was doing the role exactly as they should, yeah. and it was like it was a real game of sonar. It wasn't just yeah. like this. Oh, ha ha! That's silly. The engineer accidentally broke something. It was no, like it was very engineer was doing everything right. <laughs> everyone was communicating. Everyone was really thinking about their moves. Yeah. Uh, there's the radio operators. Both did a bang Incredible. up job. Incredible. Yeah. And that's what it all came down to was that w- that um, our sub ended up being tracked perfectly. Stefan did an insane we had job. two direct hits. Yeah. Which is. Nuts! <laughs> like two direct <laughs> hits. Are you? Cr- I think we, we should have kept. We should have had some more run silence and just like gotten out of <laughs> yeah, dodge yeah, yeah. a couple times because exactly. it throws you off completely. It's well, once so we, confusing. and that's the other thing is their silence has worked. They did a double silence. Oh, did they? Yeah, and so once they had two silences, yeah, forget uh, it. Just erase your. Our radio <laughs> operator was uh, dead in the water. Yeah. So at that point, we needed to switch off of me telling her to keep arming mines, which weren't doing that much at that no. point, to switching to silence and then me getting you to switch to silence so that was like a kind of i had laid out a strategy at the start of the game which was working super well didn't we get a directed off of mine too yeah which is crazy we (laughs) we had one damage away from killing them and then everything was going super well and then all of a sudden they found a counter and that was the point where we needed to i needed to like have a team meeting (laughs) listen guys (laughs) this isn't working anymore we're gonna try something else we're gonna reset we're gonna silence a couple times and then we're going to go back to what we were doing at the same yeah. Well, it was a lot of fun, and yeah. I, I liked the pace of it because sometimes Captain Sonar turns into one of these, like, frantic, and, like, the the radio operator is confused. Like, well, hold on a sec. Did you say you were – were you actually heading north? Because then the captain will say, <laughs> Point of north, order. and then the engineer says, no, you can't do that. The captain says, south. I'm like, hold on. Are you still going north or are you going south? And just turns into a disaster for yeah. – but I, it was fun. <laughs> it was a lot of fun. <laughs> yeah. It's been a long time, too. Music break. We'll be back. Stay tuned. Well, it's Ninth and Hennepin. All the donuts have names that sound like prostitutes. And the moon's teeth marks are on the sky like a tarp thrown all over this. And the broken umbrellas like dead birds. Steam comes out of the grill like the whole goddamn town's ready to blow. And the bricks are all scarred with jailhouse tattoos. And everyone is behaving like dogs. And the horses are coming down Violin Road, and Ditch is dead on his feet. And all the rooms they smell like diesel, and you take on the dreams of the ones who've slept there. And I'm lost in the window. And I hide in the stairway and I hang in the curtain and I sleep in your hat. And no one brings anything small into a bar around here. They all start out with bad directions. And the girl behind the counter has a tattooed tear. One for every year he's away, she said. Such a crumbling beauty. Ah, there's nothing wrong with her. A hundred dollars won't fix. She has that razor sadness that only gets worse with the clang and the thunder of the Southern Pacific going by. And the clock ticks out like a dripping faucet until you're full of ragwater, bitters, and blue ruin. And you spill out over the side to anyone who will listen. I've seen it all. I've seen it all through the yellow windows on the evening train. Thank you. 
Welcome back to CFRU 93.3 FM. What you just heard was two songs, two very, very different songs. <laughs> One was uh, <clears throat> Ninth and Hennepin by Tom Waits off of the legendary Rain Dogs album, which it's. I think that's my favorite. I think we've talked about this. I think Rain Dogs is my favorite. It's quality, yeah. And uh, the second one you just heard was uh, Disc 102. It's Ohio Sayori from Doki Doki Literature Club, uh, which is a game that I just finished today after having sitting on my deck. <laughs> Joel came over one day. And I didn't get him to play it for ages. <laughs> play, he came over for a party and played magic <laughs> on the computer. And then I checked the next day and I've just got this like icon on my desktop that says DDLC, play now. <laughs> yeah, that's right. So I ignored it for a while because I don't like being told what to do. <laughs> it's, it's not true. Uh, but anyway, um, it wasn't Ohio Sayori. It was uh, just the first one. The Ohio Sayori is this song that's autoplaying because autoplay is cancer. Anyway, um, I want to talk about Doki Doki for a second here because it's kind of um, it was an interesting game that, uh, and I have to have to be honest here. Um, I may have I, I've played one or two visual novels in my day. <laughs> yeah. Um, so it was kind of one of these things. It's the premise of the game is um, if anyone doesn't know, a visual novel is. Uh, I don't. It's not unique to Japan, but they're kind of famous for putting out those sorts of games in quotation marks, and uh, it's it's usually a story told through some kind of choose your own adventure style elements, yep. and you go through and you usually pick stuff, and they're semi dating simulator type games most of the time. At least, maybe that's just what I found myself yeah. <laughs> attracted to. It's all he plays, and um, in this case, you take on the role. You get the name yourself, which is kind of unusual. And uh, you go and take on the role of this uh, high school kid who ends up joining a, high, a club at high school, which is the literature club, with um, three girls who are in it at the moment. Uh, the four of them. Oh yeah. So there's uh, Monica, which is the leader. I don't even know if that's how you're supposed to pronounce it, Mon Ika, but I've never heard that name before. And then you've got Yuri, who is the uh, the, the the other girl. <laughs> you got Natsuke. <laughs> which is the other girl, and you've got Sayori, which is your neighbor. And this sounds utterly absurd, and I'm embarrassed even saying any of this, to be honest. But um, the whole thing is the game kind of pulls the rug out on, from underneath you, about, I'd say about halfway through, um, maybe a third of the way through. And I'm not going to say anything more because it's easy to spoil this sort of stuff. But yeah. it, you know sort of when you're getting into it when, and this almost kind of takes away from it a little bit when you start up and says, uh, this warning, this game is not for the easily disturbed. And it's like, hmm, <laughs> all right. <laughs> I thought I was playing a dating simulator. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Exactly. And I actually, it, another revelation is I despise the, that genre. Like, I hate Moe stuff. I hate the happy-go-lucky. Like, for me, it's hell to yeah. see the, like, high school sort Which of, Which is like, why I was stuff. thinking that you were so resistant to, it, to it's pick not, it up. But you knew there was it. more to it. I knew there was more to it. It's yeah. just, like, there's getting through the, the, the cotton candy um, <laughs> so, world around it. Just getting into the game itself. Developer, Salvato. Designer, one guy, yeah. Dan Salvato, programmer, Dan Salvato, writer, Dan Salvato, composer, Dan Salvato. So he was, this is a, I wouldn't say a work of love, maybe a work of obsession. Hmm. But the the thing that the really staying power of Doki Doki Lit Club is... Lit Club, listen to you. <laughs> DDLC, yeah. uh, which has a subreddit. And, uh, <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, and it's, it's still popular because I think people kind of obsess over these four archetypes that these characters represent. Yeah, because when I typed in the, to get the music out of YouTube for the soundtrack, there was like, analyzing the uh, the literature behind this. Like, hold on a second. <laughs> <laughs> if you ever want to see maybe the, his best re meme review ever, uh, if you've ever watched any of PewDiePie's meme review, uh, watch the Doki Doki Lit Club meme review. It is hilarious. Is it he, he tries not to spoil too much, but, you know, it's like, um, what's her name? Is Oh, my God. It's got a Christmas tree up, and she's like, "Oh, I've got all the all the presents under the tree, all the all the uh, <laughs> candy canes <laughs> up. I got the star hung from the top. Uh -huh. Only one more thing left to hang." <laughs> oh, jeez, I get it. I get it. it. Took me a second there. It, it's yeah. It, the game is interesting. It's um. The one thing, so with without going into spoilers, I'll say the one thing that kind of I wish there was more of is that 
a lot of these games, there's a lot more choices to be made. And I think that's what kind of I was a little disappointed in is that I think I went through, I felt like I was clicking on buttons for an hour and a half before I actually selected anything to do. Anything of substance. Yeah, well, I don't know how much, you know, like I'd like to see the logic trees that were built. Yeah. Because I don't know how much decision you actually get. Did you watch Bandersnatch? No. So Bandersnatch was a big thing on Netflix where it was basically like this guy who's trying to design a choose-your-own-adventure, um, but he finds that he's in a choose-your-own-adventure. Whoa! And then, he, you know, and then he's in a movie, which is about him trying to be in this choose-your-own-adventure. Well, but did, the, you, did you just figure out that <laughs> Bandersnatch ripped off Doki Doki? <laughs> exactly! It's Doki, man! Yeah. But, I mean, obviously, the, the thing that changed, I mean... I don't know. We haven't seen one since, so maybe it's not going to. But it was intera- It was an interactive Netflix show, so you could actually make the decisions. But your decisions were also forced yeah. sometimes. So it was. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, it's it's probably <laughs> you're just looking at the characters. It's probably a lot of work to make actual logic trees, and oh, then you've got to man. flush each one out. Really? And yeah. props to the people who made these really old text-based ones, right? I know you love those dungeon crawlers. Yeah. Um, Doki Doki is uh, a cool concept for sure because it turns that cute high school uh, dating game on its head. What the the wiki says, uh, the game features a mostly linear story with some alternative scenes and endings depending on the choices the players make. So you can make a few choices, but mostly you're right, it is linear. Yeah. And while the game appears to be at first glance a lighthearted dating simulator it is in fact a metafictional psychological horror that ostensibly breaks the fourth wall it, it was fine it was i liked it it was a neat experience and it's free by the way as far as i can tell it's yeah. uh, on steam you, you can, can pick donate. it up you can donate so there's no reason not to pick it up unless you utterly despise anime and all the, that nonsense and even though I'd say if you can suffer through a bit of it, you can maybe start to see the cracks showing, and then it's like, oh, okay, there's something else here. It's not just yeah. click, 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 click. Yeah, it's one of those experiences where I had gone through it, and I wanted to share that with someone else. That's why I was pushing it on yeah, you yeah. so hard. No, no, it's fine. I'm glad I did because yeah. it's um, – the. I've always liked visual novels because there's there's something about them that's just it's again I, I, without sounding too uh, obsessed otaku. with otaku or whatever <laughs> the rest of that nonsense is. It's just there's something it's because they, they they were traditionally computer games and the Japanese if there's one thing about them is their computer games are weird and uh, they they <laughs> just don't do computer games like the rest of us. And um, that's where you get these visual novels from is that it's because I guess maybe they were just very simple and everyone liked the artwork and it turned into this like genre of games that keep going. But they keep making visual novels to this day. And whether you're getting like high class productions, like um, there's one on my wish list for the PS4 called Deathmark, which looks really cool. But mm. God, I'll be damned if I'm paying like 40, 50 bucks for a visual <laughs> novel on the PS4. But they're, they're neat. They're, they're their own thing. And if you, you're, you like that sort of stuff, which... Um, which is odd because there was this huge push um, from, I'd say, 2012, 2013 onwards in computer games to get away from, like, especially from the independent games, you know, we want to go for a more narrative approach. We want to tell a story, yeah. and we're going to really play with your expectations and your emotions. They were just copying the visual novels, basically, except adding like some yeah. 3D like walking sim nonsense on top of like that. fable maybe fable i don't know if i call fable it's still just an action rpg but i meant more like something like let's say like firewatch um of a game that like or gone home which i despised but it was like these <laughs> games that pretend at least to be horror games but it turns out you're just walking around and somebody's telling you a story and they're they, they're well produced but at the end of the day it's like where was the game and the, the visual mm, novel yeah. doesn't even pretend to be there's no game necessarily there's some choices you'd be making but you're not sitting there going like quick time events or trying to dodge like a ferocious beast and trying to rip your throat out. But All right. So important question uh, for anybody that's played DDLC. Who was it? Who was your first choice? Well, uh, why don't you tell me who your poems appealed to first? Sorry. Say, oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now, did you know what you're doing or did you just pick? I Yeah. I mean, if you look on the left side, you pick a word, what? one of them will jump. Which is something I wish they didn't do, to be honest, because... Yeah, because it takes away the mystery. Yeah, and then you know exactly who you're appealing to, and it kind of, like, I was listening. I know who likes what, but 
Um, I got Yuri for mine. Yuri, the tall, <laughs> dark haired. Yeah, the, the um, hold on. B. Demigod. <laughs> B T. B T G G F. There we go. <laughs> oh, I got you. <laughs> Someone who can figure that one out. Yep. Yeah. So I, I, going back to the archetypes, you know, there's the you've got the very cute, small, um, almost like a baby spice. <laughs> you know, plays innocent deliberately because guys are into that. Yeah. And then you've got your your goth girl, who everybody loves. Monica, what was she? Well, she was just the she's the the large and in type charge. A large in charge uh, tough tough girl running the show in more ways than one. And uh, and then you had um, the the cute girl next door, except with problems. Yeah, <laughs> couple <laughs> couple of problems, but. The, I think what's what's kind of neat about it, and again, without it's tough to talk about this without doing too many spoilers here. But um, when I was playing it, one of the things I thought about that I really liked is I like when games gradually screw with you slightly and in subtle ways. Yeah. And I think I noticed a couple times it's almost like the music was it was up pitched a little bit. Change of the music and oh, it was really subtly. cool. I like that because it really. <laughs> or maybe just like maybe the That's dialogue is just slightly bit. different than you remember. Because that's the problem is like you do this cycle in this game where it's like, I hope you like reading certain lines of dialogue a couple times because you're going to do that a couple times. Yeah. Um, but oddly enough, and I don't know if this is, again, uh, maybe it's just because I'm, I'm biased and it's kind of like a lot of the games I'm playing aren't Japanese. But first thing I thought of when I was playing it was Silent Hill 4. And one of the premises of Silent Hill 4 that it was really cool and I wish more people would take advantage of is you have your character is basically trapped in this apartment and you end up going down these uh, dreams and do other people who are about to be murdered and you're in their like hellscapes. And, but you go back to the apartment to kind of like as your home base. But uh, what the game does is about halfway through you show up and there's this line of dialogue saying the air is stale, something's wrong. And the fan that was spinning all nicely is like crashed to the floor. And the music, like, there's no, there's, it sounds deader than normal. And then from then on, you randomly, there'll be hauntings in your apartment. And you no longer heal just being in your apartment. And uh, But it's subtle stuff where you're walking by and just, like, something's wrong here. Like, you'll walk by the window and then, like, it, you have to blink and you miss it. But, like, this, like a head will fall through down from the, the roof. It's like, what, what did I just see? <laughs> or sometimes you'll just, like... Someone just knocking on your door, and when you go to check, there's no one there, and little things like yeah. handprints appearing on the in the wall and the the apartment stuff. Just subtle things like the like the you you make these poems throughout, and some of the words change exactly, you know, or, and uh, the text the dialogue text all of a sudden just becomes a bunch of gibberish. Yeah, so. and the, like there's some more explicit stuff and some like subtler things, but the part that really got me was that at one point the game in order to finish the game, you literally have to go into um, the file directory and yeah. start playing around with that stuff. And to me, that was really cool. Yeah. I, I thought that was great. It was a cool metagame. And I, I remember when I first loaded the game before I even started playing, seeing that folder there and be like, what is this folder? The like, folder? You don't need that in a game, right? Like that's, it turned out to be pretty <laughs> significant. <laughs> it's like, I don't want to say too much, but now, I wonder what would happen if you had like, I looked it up, but nothing I'll tell you after. <laughs> oh, okay, interesting. Um, and part of the reason why I played it yesterday was, or, and today was that I lend Joel um, the the trilogy of Uzumaki, which is by Jinji Ito, this fantastic horror manga artist who's like legendary. The man is like <laughs> yeah. he's the, he's the best of in the in the game for that sort of stuff. And uh, we don't have a lot of time left, Joel. But why don't you give us a brief rundown of what this what's the premise and what do you think of it? So far, there's a town, and there's one kid that really hates this town because he <laughs> thinks that it is infected by the spiral. Yeah, and there it is. That's basically the premise right now. Is there's a lot of little short stories that don't tie together, although they're kind of linear. And that uh, spirals, obsessions with spirals, either for them or against them, uh, lead to people's untimely deaths. And then they get cremated, and then they, their, their um, remains go into a big spiral in the sky, which falls into this one pond. And that's kind of where I'm at right now. But I really liked the uh, epilogue that the, <laughs> the artist put in where he's... Um, obsessing with spirals himself yeah and then he's like and then there's my editor and he's like when's the next episode <laughs> yeah, yeah so there's there's some there's some 
lightheartedness to some of this. And some of the, the horror is so like over the top and absurd. It's almost like, <laughs> this is silly. <laughs> but I was yeah. telling Joel, there's just parts of it that just, for some reason, really disturbs me. Just a lot like, of the drawing. The drawing, because he uses this, this it's, it's not a sketching technique, because everything just feels exactly where it's supposed to be. It's like every line has a purpose, and there's it's all black and white, and it's all very... A technically hyper proficient like yeah. you could see the guy drawing like architectural drawings or well you know when jack slides you a manga on your way out of his house <laughs> <laughs> you're in for you're in for either a treat or a really well, it's a, the only one i got a so. really bad set of nightmares yeah right <laughs> um anyway i think they're fantastic and if you if you're into horror regardless of whether you tolerate anime nonsense or not it's i think it's worth a read and also if you're into horror send jack a message because he's got some he's got some content for you <laughs> yeah just just look at me <laughs> just looking at his face yeah. <laughs> that's the true scary story uh but anyway so again another another episode another <laughs> talk about japan for some bloody reason i can't figure it out but uh, i don't know it's maybe it's just i love horror in general it's just if you if you say you're making a horror game like you know that meme of uh dicaprio from uh django it's like uh you had my curiosity but now you have my <laughs> attention, have my attention. <laughs> 100 and that's why i get tricked so often too is that uh if somebody says oh it's a horror game and i look and then it turns out to be just like the lowest energy type jump scares, scares. Like, jump scares and just like the problem is like as much as i love silent hill going back to that briefly it's it ruined games because everyone, no one can figure out quite what makes it right. Not even the series creators, which is why the U.S. ones stink so badly. Yeah. Because they just couldn't figure out what what it is. And I think that's when these, I'm not saying the Japanese are flawless, not by a chance, but they're, the, the original series of those games are just unique and special. Yeah. And they just, they tapped into something that you can't. I think there's something in that community, you know. It's like, well, there's the Shinto religion and all yeah. of the, the spirits that were involved in that. And yeah. like the sort of isolation of the monks and everything and then you've got uh coupled together with this crazy uh, living situation of uh, apartment after apartment and interesting packed into these tight things and it's just it's this crazy combination of certain things and this mass death from the nukes i don't know if that has anything no, to do with it that's but. that's interesting i never thought about the um the idea of so, like such a an island nation with people packed together and japan's famous for these these work weeks that are absurd and like you basically work, go home. Absurdity work. is a good word. Yeah, uh, what comes out in their art is really absurd. Yeah, that's right. So all this over the top, like this, 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 re- this release of, uh, of horror and frustration, or into these some of these experiences. But the gore is usually over the top, which is which interesting. Guess, does that make North American art just <laughs> gluttony? <laughs> I don't know. It depends. But uh, anyway, so if you're interested in some inter- like trying something that you probably haven't done before depending on your experience with stuff give doki doki literature club a try yeah doki doki is confusing i thought it meant sometimes in japanese but mm. I, I don't get the sometimes <laughs> whatever um give ddlc a try pick it up on steam it's free you don't have to worry about that and if you're interested i don't know the library has copies of uzumaki but look up jinji ito tons of stuff out there yeah um, and most of it, if not all of it, is outstanding. Stay away from the. There was an anime adaptation of them. Apparently, it's terrible, um, which is one of these faults of when you have a hyper technical artist, you can't translate that to an animation and expect it to carry over, and you're just wasting your time. So read yeah. them, and also have yourself a look at a spiral. You know, it's the perfect. Uh, it's the perfect shape. You know, you just stare at it, and you just want to stare at it forever. I'm falling into it. Sometimes I just I forget what I was doing. I stopped going to work, and I just want to look at these spirals. <laughs> I don't find spirals very scary, but it's interesting. (laughs) Anyway, I'm Jack. I'm Joel. Thanks for listening. Support CFRU. Check us out online, cfru.ca, Android's Dungeon, all your favorite podcast websites on Instagram, AD Radio, or Android's Dungeon, or Droid Dungeon, I can't remember, but Twitter, AD Radio, CFRU. Hashtag AD. Hashtag (laughs) AD. I don't know what that is. I do not accept responsibility. Goodbye.